WHMP. Welcome to Talk the Talk. I'm Bill Newman. And I'm Buzz Eisenberg. And we are joined in the studio, I'm not kidding you, by Bob Silman and Jen Pollins and Alicia Duffy and Ro Duffy and Emily Reardon and Medford Boston and Helen Boston. And we expect to be joined as well by Evelyn Harris. Bob Silman, yeah. founder and director of the Young at Heart Chorus. Why is our studio trying to emulate the 1950s game of how many people can they, we stick into a phone booth? Come on, tell us. Talk to us. Well... We have a big show coming up on Sunday, November 19th. It's called Twist and Crawl, and it has all kinds of dancers, and two of the dance groups are being represented here, along with some of our Young at Heart chorus members, so that's why it's packed. Okay, Twist and Crawl? Uh, seriously? Uh, for, the, for those of our listeners who say, uh, I thought it was Twist and Shout, but I guess not. Maybe I missed 20 or 30 years in here. Twist and Crawl, what is it? Why is it? Well... Twist and Crawl is a great song by a band called the English Beat, which is a ska band. And we had every intention of calling this show Let's Dance, but then we heard from Pathlight, which is a, a wonderful organization, who had a show called Let's Dance just last Saturday, and they thought it would be really confusing to have two shows called Let's Dance. So I said, um, you know, for this show, we should learn the song Twist and Crawl by the English Beat. And then we said, that's a good name for the show, Twist and Crawl, right? Really good. But then we never learned the song Twist and Crawl because it was like a, really a hard song to learn. So uh, the audience will hear it before the show. <laughs> All right. And who are the individuals we have? I gave their names, but why don't you tell us who they are and what part they play in this presentation, which is the show, which is what, 3 o'clock Sunday at the Academy of Music, I believe? That's exactly right. Three o'clock at the Academy of Music. And if you want to go, you should get tickets today because it's really getting scarce. Tickets and how do you are, get tickets? You go to aomtheaterre.com and you pick uh, our show and you can buy tickets that way. Or you can call their box office from 3 to 6 today, tomorrow, and Friday, 584-9032, extension 105. Okay, for those of you who are not sitting there with a pen in your hand saying, oh, good, how do I write this down? If they go to the Academy of Music, can they find this, Bobby? Say yes. Say yes. The, the Academy website or the Young at Heart website, you can find the information, which is youngatheartchorus.com. Okay, so all these people who are here in the studio, what are their roles in this fabulous-sounding uh, show? Well, first of all, on the chorus side of things, we have Helen Boston, and people who know the chorus know Helen Boston because she's been here since 2002 in the chorus when she joined us on a tour in Zurich. Helen is 93 years old. You mean 93 years young. The only person young. not applauding that was Helen. <laughs> <laughs> and what's incredible is if you stay long enough in the chorus, you might wind up having your son in the chorus as well. And that's, yes. that's Medford, Boston. And uh, he's here with us. And then we have some dance people, Jen Pollins. A lot of people know Jen Pollins because she, she runs the School of Contemporary Dance and Thought. And uh, her Hatchery Dance Company is going to be dancing in this show. And then we have the Academy, uh, the, the, the Duffy Academy, wait, the uh, Duffy Academy of Irish Dance. And it's Alicia Duffy who runs that incredible program. And we have two of her dancers here, Emily Reardon and Ro Duffy. Wait a minute. Is this going to be the first time in U.S. history that there's radio dancing? We were hoping that we could 
really do that. And, um, and yes, there's going to be incredible radio dancing. Okay. And as I see the program, Bob, Bob Silman, uh, founder and director of the Young at Heart Chorus, we're going to have on Sunday a lot of singing by the Young at Heart Chorus and a lot of dancing by these amazing dance groups. And the Young at Heart Chorus somehow becomes backup for the dance, dancing. Is that sort of right? That is really right. And for people who are worried that this is just like, okay, Young at Heart's on stage and then we'll have these dancers. It's not like that. Young at Heart is going to be there singing every song. And there's going to be these dancers that Young at Heart is backing with um, really an incredible uh, group of numbers. Okay, one thing we have in the studio that we don't often have is a dance floor today, and maybe you could s explain to our listeners why there's a dance floor in our radio studio, and then maybe you would like to introduce what we're going to hear first. Okay, the reason there's a dance floor is because, and why we're doing it on the radio is because the Irish Step Dance and, and Alicia, you can you could probably say something about this as well. Is is a very yeah, it's her, it's her Irish dance school. She could probably say something about right. that. <laughs> okay. Well, good morning. Thanks for having us, and uh, thanks for letting us put a dance floor in your your smaller studio here. <laughs> and really fill the space with uh, feet and and some noise here for you. Um, and uh, for those of our listeners who don't know, what is Irish dance? So Irish dance is a Celtic form of dancing, um, and there's different forms of Irish dance, actually. The most traditional is the chinos. Um, it's very similar to tap, uh, where they move their body, they get a little bit more into their joints. But Irish dance soon took on the form of a competition, so they did what was winning, <laughs> like most do, and it became very linear. And it's more uh, what you see today, uh, for instance, like river dance and whatnot. Um, and that's how it's evolved. So there's both soft shoe and hard shoe. And today, for the listening pleasure of those out there, uh, we chose the percussion shoes. So we have some hard shoes for you today. Okay. And who will be performing? We have the lovely Emily Reardon and my own oldest daughter, Ro Duffy. Should we hear and see some Irish dance? And then we're uh, any, any explanation we need to give the listeners on what they're about to hear? Enjoy. Okay. This is uh, an acapella uh, set that we're going to do just because it just is a lot easier than pairing with music. So <laughs> I hope you enjoy this one. And this is partnered with our school cheer, the Duffy Roar. So, could we talk to our uh, Irish dancers, if we could, uh, Ro Duffy, uh, uh, Emily Reardon? Please uh, excuse the uh, like question as they come on over to the mic. Okay. So, could we find out how long you've been an Irish dancer and what attracted you to this, please? Um, I um, have been Irish dancing for five years now. And how old are you now? 
I'm 12 years old. Okay, so you started on, if my math is right, about seven. Yes, I started when I was seven years old. I saw um, Irish dancing at a fair, and I just fell in love with it. I couldn't stop attempting to do it. And then when I saw an Irish dance school open, I went and took it. Um, sadly, um, that school closed down, but I went to the Duffy Academy of Irish Dance, and I love it so much. And where is the Duffy Academy of Irish Dance? It's based in Hadley. Okay. And how often do you go? Um, I go twice a week, Tuesday and Thursday. For how long? Um, normally the lessons are an hour to an hour and a half. And do you practice in between? Yes, I practice every day. Wow. And do you have aspirations for doing something? Uh, I mean, Academy Music is pretty high, high on the list of things, places to be and places to perform, but do you have some thoughts about what Irish dance will mean for you in the future? Um, I would love to travel around and um, go abroad to show everyone the lovely, incredible talent that it takes to become an Irish dancer. Wow. Let's hear from your friend and co-dancer. Co co Can we hear from you? I have the same questions, if we might. How long have you been doing it? How old are you? How often do you perf perform and practice? And, you know, all those 18 questions I just asked, just answer them. Okay. <laughs> I am 13 years old. I've been dancing since I was about the age of two. <laughs> uh, <laughs> well, that'll so, teach those seven-year-old latecomers, won't it? <laughs> <laughs> didn't have too much of a choice. Sorry, girl. No. Um, <laughs> I grew up with my mom running the dance school, so I've been dancing pretty much all my life. You, you, we should note, your, your, your mom is Alicia, and, and you are Roe Duffy. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, so I love the school. I love being on team with, you know, all of my teammates. They're just so great and it's a great experience and I love dancing so much because performing is absolute like joy just like you know Irish dancing <laughs> kind of a, a different kind of uh, uh, art form than what a lot of young people are into what, what do your friends say about this passion that you have um, they usually try to try it out <laughs> <laughs> and how does that work um, most of them are pretty terrible, to be honest, <laughs> at first. But, you know, they get there. If they keep practicing, they get there. They get so much better. But it's like it takes a long time to be able to improve, like, balance and stability. So they're usually wobbling over trying to get jumps and stuff. But, you know, at least they're trying. Let me ask you this. I, I know we'd asked you to, if you'd be ready to prepare, to, if you'd be prepared to perform one uh, one number for us. Is there a second number you can do? Am I asking too much here? I'm probably asking too much. Yeah, we can. You can? Yeah. Great. Would you do that for us? Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Okay. Let's let's hear it. And we'll, here in the studio, we'll see. What are we going to hear and see? Uh, thanks so much. I'm gonna. I love to do uh, in two, true team spirit. I usually volley to the girls, um, or and or all the the dancers depends who is at present. Right now, it's my two girls, um, and I believe. I, I thought so. It's a Tamsinka um, because it's pretty, it's pretty peppy, and uh, hopefully it's what the audience wants to hear. Great. Here we go.
ring the dinner bell for you guys so. <laughs> <laughs> and that is all done with are they called taps on their sh on their shoes um, they're uh, they're different than taps uh, taps are typically metal they're they're hard shoes are called heavy jig shoes and they're uh, composites and so they're a little bit different than tap shoes they don't have the metal plate which I admire tap but I uh, usually get a couple of extra beats from the reverb from the metal plates being uh, loosened or tightened with the screw and we don't have any of those pleasures, so we, what, you, what you hear is all them and their hard work. We are doing a preview of Twist and Crawl, which will be at the Academy of Music, the Young at Heart Chorus, and dance troops that are just amazing. This, this Sunday, 3 o'clock, tickets available at the Academy of Music box office. We'll be back with more. You're going to hear from, well, 93-year young member of the chorus who has been with us before, who is amazing and has an extraordinary voice. We'll be right back. You're listening to Talk the Talk with Bill Newman and Buzz Eisenberg. Find local news and local talk for the Valley. It is critical that the investigation is not limited to federal violations of gender discrimination, but includes the alleged allegations of corruption, nepotism, abuse of power, and use of position to aid Ms. Cunningham's personal business. These allegations actually require an investigation by a different body than a Title IX investigator. Where the heart of the Pioneer Valley lives. 1015 and 1400 WHMP. News, information, and the arts. Reading is one of life's great pleasures. Having a community bookstore makes it even better. Broadside Bookshop is a community-minded, woman-owned, independent bookstore in downtown Northampton, where you can browse to your heart's content. For book lovers, Broadside is home away from home. You can order virtually any book on the Broadside website and pick it up at the store or have it sent to your door. If you love books, you'll love Broadside Bookshop. Every time you open your energy bill, you cringe. And with good reason, because you're paying too much. The easy answer is solar. And taking advantage of solar energy with Franklin First Federal Credit Union is easy. Our solar loan puts solar on the table. And a local expert can show you all the ways it pays to install solar. Visit franklinfirst.org slash solarloans for more details. That's franklinfirst.org slash solarloans. Franklin First Federal Credit Union, federally insured by NCUA. The Inuit catch their own and hanging in the sun to dry. New Yorkers have it smoked on bagels over the Sunday Times. When you order salmon at Paul and Elizabeth's restaurant, it's Faroe Island salmon. You know where the Faroe Islands are, halfway between Iceland and Norway. The ocean waters are clean and Arctic cold. Try Paul and Elizabeth's Faroe Island salmon with miso scallion butter. Order your salmon scampi. Add grilled salmon to any of Paul and Elizabeth's salads. There are so many ways to have salmon at Paul and Elizabeth's. You're listening to Talk the Talk with Bill Newman and Buzz Eisenberg. WHMP. We continue our conversation with Bob Silman and Jen Pollins and Alicia Duffy and Roe Duffy and Emily Reardon in Medford, Boston and Helen Boston and Evelyn, ha Evelyn Harris, who we expect to be joining us in just a few minutes. Let me turn, if I might, to one Helen Boston, who was introduced earlier in the show as a 93-year young member of the chorus. Uh, Helen Boston is an amazing performer with an amazing voice 
and I love seeing you on stage, and I love your being part of the Young at Heart course. Could you tell us a bit, Helen, about how you became part of the course and what role and what significance the Young at Heart course is and has in your life? Well, I started, I was driving a school bus in Pennsylvania, and I decided to just come up to Massachusetts and visit with my daughter. And that's how my daughter brought me to the Young at Heart Chorus. And Bob Silman accepted me in the group because I was of age at that time. <laughs> <laughs> you showed your ID and he let you into the yes, bar. I got yes, it. Okay. Yes. And it was, it was wonderful. And my mother came with me, which was very nice. And, but she couldn't join because she was a little bit older and she was using the wheelchair. But what, whenever anyone got on stage to do something, she would always offer her chair for them to use. Wow. Did you have a singing uh, career or experience prior to the Young at Heart? Only church. Well, it's on, only, only church. That's like being a little bit pregnant. Uh, only church. Uh, well, sing, <laughs> singing in church. Uh, how long did you sing in the church choir? From, from the time that I was about nine or eight or nine years old. We used to go to church every Sunday, which was good for me. And then when I finally became of age to be married, I had all of these children, and uh, it was just wonderful. So you've been singing since you were how old? About 10 years old, I guess. Okay, so you have, give or take, 83 years of experience. Yes. And what's your favorite part of being in Young and Hard Chorus? Oh, just being with everyone and knowing that I'm there to encourage each person because I'm not a singer, really. You could, just, you could have fooled me. <laughs> I just go along with everyone else and try to do my part, a little bit of my part. Well, you just mentioned, uh, Helen Boston, that you have family, and you, in fact, have brought family into the Young at Heart Chorus. Want to tell us who that is? That's my son. <laughs> <laughs> who has a Bedford big... Boston, who I didn't, really didn't think that he would be a part of it, but this is something that he really really enjoys very much. Okay, well, let's turn to Medford, Boston. Your, your thoughts and what it means to you to be part of the Young at Heart Chorus? Hi there. My name is Medford, Boston. Actually, I started out as the guy just setting up the chairs, and occasionally I would drive my mother to rehearsal. Then one day, after the sound people set up the microphones, I just started crooning. Now, with my mom's assistant, persistent, emailing Bob Silman, <laughs> he gave me a break. Now, it's nine-month um, probationary period. <laughs> There's, you get, you, the first thing that happens with the Young and Hard course is Bob Silman puts you on probation? Oh, that yeah. just doesn't sound that welcoming, to be and totally honest. I haven't got my memo. Yet, <laughs> so, so. <laughs> but um, I really appreciate them accepting me. The whole group, the whole chorus are fabulous. It's like a, a team, like a community. And um, I'm happy to be a member of it. And were you singing before you became part of Young at Heart? Yes, I did a lot of singing while driving down the highway. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, so. And, uh, um, also, yeah. I might add, I'm, I still have to set the chairs up. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I, I would like to know, uh, Medford, Boston, okay, it, I, this may be a question you're tired of hearing, but I'm, I apologize in advance. Medford, Boston, 
Uh, that's. Uh, oh. Should we ask mom about that? No, I, I got this. Um, years ago, my great 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 grandfather was a runaway slave. He ran from uh, Call Pepper, Virginia. In those days, you just didn't run to the end of the driveway and quit. You had to keep running. And uh, he ran to the Union lines. He joined the Union. They moved him up to Boston. That's where they were training. He took the name John Boston. He met uh, a woman in Medford, which he married, and their first child was named Medford. So every generation, the first son is named Medford. Oh, that's, that's an amazing story. Yes, sir. Uh, I, I, I did not ask you this before we went on the air, so you should feel free to say no. We don't have any uh, instruments here as backup, so the Young at Heart band was not here. <laughs> the only thing we didn't fit uh -oh. in the studio this morning. <laughs> any possibility I could get you to sing a few bars a cappella? Let me remember you should... the words here. <laughs> <laughs> you don't. You don't have. You don't have okay. to. It's, it's, yeah, I'll fall in love with you. Okay, here we go. Okay, great. Wise men say. Only fools rush in, but I can't help falling in love with you. Shall I stay? Would it be a sin? For I can't help falling in love with you. Like a river flows surely to the sea. Darling, so it goes. Some things are meant to be. Take my hand, take my whole life too, for I can help falling in love with you. Medford, Boston, part of the Young at Heart Chorus, will be performing this Sunday, 3 o'clock at the Academy of Music. We're going to continue our preview of Twist and Crawl right after this. Okay. You're really a fantastic audience. And uh, there's a song we did in Blue Hawaii um, that we did here about 10 years ago. And I'd like to sing it especially for you. Wise men this is Talk the Talk with Bill Newman and Buzz Eisenberg. For WHMP News, I'm Jess Tyler. Rep. Natalie Blay and Senator Joe Comerford have introduced an act creating a state disaster relief fund for emergency management. The bill would establish a fund providing financial relief to those impacted by natural disasters across the Commonwealth. Massachusetts is one of only two states that does not have a permanent disaster relief fund. If enacted, MEMA will establish a program using $250 million from excess capital gains revenue that would otherwise be transferred to the Rainy Day Fund. 
Amherst Town officials must approve an increase of nearly $10 million to the borrowing cap for the Jones Library renovation project in order to receive grant funding from the Massachusetts Board of Library Commissioners. But residents are wary of the ever-increasing costs for the ambitious project. The Gazette reports that some residents don't want to see costs increase after already having appropriated over $46 million to the project. Failure to raise the spending cap could result in construction delays for the renovation and expansion project, resulting in additional costs. Town manager Paul Bockelman assured town councilors that approving the spending cap increase would not result in taxpayers shouldering any additional costs. The Healy-Driscoll administration is expected to announce a financial aid expansion to benefit students attending public community colleges and universities. Governor Maura Healy, along with Lieutenant Governor Driscoll and the Secretary of Education, will be at Salem State University this morning to make the announcement that could impact over 25,000 students. Mostly sunny this morning, partly sunny to mostly cloudy this afternoon with a high of 48 to 52. will be mostly clear tonight. Evening temperatures in the 30s and 40s, an overnight low of 26 to 32. Sunny tomorrow, a high of 56 to 60, mostly cloudy and 60 on Friday. I'm 22 News Storm Team Meteorologist Brian Lapis, 101.5 WHMP. What I was told was bone on bone. I was going to have to have knee replacement, and I do not like surgery. Desperate to avoid surgery, Julie decided to check out QC Kinetics non-surgical regenerative treatments. My daughter actually works in a Chapel Hill, North Carolina lab, and I sent her all of the information that I was given. And she's like, oh, Mom, this is for you. I've heard great things about this. She's like, you need to try it before ever doing surgery. Julie started the QC Kinetics natural biologic treatments right in the office using her own healing properties to help restore her damaged tissue. I know my daughter was right. Yeah, It's nice when you've got that um, person you can go to who might have a little bit more information, especially on the science of it. QC Kinetics, it's life-changing. Find out if you're a good candidate. Call QC Kinetics now for your free consultation. Call QC Kinetics 413-992-5450. That's 413-992-5450. 413-992-5450. When you're going through a tough time and need to talk with a mental health care provider as soon as possible, walk into ServiceNet's clinic at 50 Pleasant Street in downtown Northampton any Wednesday between 10 and 2. We'll see you right away. Or call ServiceNet anytime to make an appointment. Talk therapy, medication management, and other specialized treatments. ServiceNet's team works together to provide the care you need all in one place. Walk in Wednesdays 10 to 2 or call anytime. I'm Lisa Riley. Join me every Saturday at 9.30 a.m. here on WHMP as we share stories that shine a light on justice-involved individuals or just underdogs in the game of life, their struggles, their successes, and the many resources and opportunities available for those who are hustling to carve a new path and prove that failure isn't final. So unlock your future, rewrite your story. This is The Hustler Files. You're listening to Talk the Talk with Bill Newman and Buzz Eisenberg, WHMP. We continue our preview of Sunday's Twist and Crawl performance by the Young at Heart Chorus with these amazing dance troops that will be on Sunday at 3 o'clock at the Academy of Music. And we have with us in the studio Bob Silman, Jen Pollins, Alicia Duffy, Ro Duffy, Emily Reardon, Medford, Boston, and Helen Boston. We're going to be speaking with 
uh, Jen Pollins in just a minute. She is the founding director of the School for Contemporary Dance and Thought, and her dancers play a significant, important, and beautiful role in this performance. But first, there's something I've just got to ask Medford Boston and Helen Boston. We'll start with you, Helen. I should note that Bob did share with us during the break that although you profess to be 93, in January you'll be 94, making you 93.9. A great radio signal, by the way. Okay, so what Bob was telling me is that you and your family lived right near American Bandstand while they were growing up. I assume Bobby has, Bob has that right. Uh, tell us about that. Well, my kids had to go someplace for entertainment because growing up, I was a skater, and I used to ride the bicycle. And when my kids got old enough, I was training them to, hoping rather, that they would sing and dance and maybe learn how to skate, ice skate or something, you know. But I used to take them to the radio station to listen to, the, to everybody that was there, the entertainers. And if they had a chance to talk to them, that would be wonderful because I was trying to encourage them to sing with groups of people that were singing along and enjoying themselves. And Medford was one that I couldn't drag him along too much. It was the girls most of the time. And that was wonderful because I had six girls and each one of them could sing. And they tried, which they did very well, Marcia. Tamar, Joyce, Sylvia, and Nancy. Nancy is one of the twins. They only have the two boys, and that's, well, I had three boys, but two boys, Medford and Lanson is the twin boy. So we, we enjoyed life. It was wonderful growing up, hoping and praying that we could get to see the Jackson 5, which we did. <laughs> did it ever happen? Yes, we did. We went to the convention hall in Philadelphia and saw the Jackson 5, and the girls were able to get in backstage and talk to Michael Jackson and his brothers, which was wonderful. Well, well, let's turn to your son, if we might. Uh, Medford Boston, what was it like growing up having American Bandstand a stone's throw away from your home? Well, actually, um, I had six sisters. So when my mother stated that she took the kids, she took the girls. Yes. Uh, we're, we're trying to keep this family friendly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Any, so, any complaints? Take like it. <laughs> yeah. So what we did, um, the guys in the neighborhood, we would coax one guy to walk in and jump over the turnstile, run down the alley. Well, the carter, the guard would stand there. Yeah, I'll let him go. Then he would go down, kick open the exit door, and we would be strategically placed. <laughs> and then we'd all run in and start dancing and everybody. And they saw how that went. It went very well, actually. And, um, and that was how I began getting in. Then, of course, they would charge us after that. But, uh, yeah, we would have fun. Um, so did you get to sing and dance on American Oh, dance no, we, dance? Just, we danced a lot. Uh-huh. Yes, okay. um, they, um, they, they tape everything. And one day, we actually did see um, a few of us dancing out there. You know how they scan everything. So, yeah, I was on TV. Yeah, very <laughs> cool. Very now, cool. Also, I might add, 
when the Beatles came to Philadelphia, it was pandemonium. Again, my mother and father took my sisters to see. <laughs> there, there, there's a theme here, Medford, and, yeah. and we're gonna we're gonna offer family counseling right after the show. Promise. Okay, that's what I got. Okay. <laughs> well, let me turn to Jen Pollins, who's the founding director of the School for Contemporary Dance and Thought. What will your school, their students, your students in particular, be doing, and what role do they play in this? performance with the Young and Hard Chorus again Sunday, 3 o'clock at the Academy of Music, uh, Twist and Crawl. Yeah, well, they'll be doing some crawling and dancing on the floor. So SCDT has a pre-professional um, track, and it is for 13 through 18-year-olds, and right now we have 32 of them. It's called the Hatchery Young Artist Program, and they are so excited to come back to the Academy. We were just there in May doing our own show and to be collaborating and working with such an inspirational group. So we'll be doing, we're so lucky we get to do four numbers. Four numbers. Well, yeah. I'd like to know what the four numbers are, what kind of dance, what kind of dancing you're going to be performing. Take 30 seconds, though, before that and tell our listeners, if you would, please. You are the founding director of the School for Contemporary Dance and Thought. What is it and where is it? Yeah, so we are a school that um, serves all ages from 4 to 90, hopefully, or 100. Um, and we are teaching all forms of movement, education, and dance. And we also bring in artists from all over the world and curate performances. So we're like a movement arts-based um, uh, nonprofit, and we have an educational portion and our strongest and most favorite portion is working with these teenagers that you'll see at the academy and the kinds of dancing that you teach or that will be performed this sunday yeah so we are an experimental dance and music i would call us interdisciplinary so we're looking at art um sort of like high art and the experimentation and creation of new forms of art from old so um you'll see modern dance you'll see some improvisation you'll see some partnering work you'll even see ballet but it's all very contemporary and experimental that's what scdt is known for Okay, it sounds amazing, and your performances that I've seen—they have been amazing. I assume nothing less, nothing less this Sunday. I'd like to uh, conclude by asking. Well, let's start with Helen Boston, and then I'm going to ask our two youngest members of the crew here today, uh, Roe Duffy and Emily Reardon. What has it meant to you to work with and perform with people who are? a number of generations different from you. Let's start with you, uh, Helen. Well, I'm learning from them. They are fantastic. At, I'm trying to learn how to dance now. <laughs> <laughs> You're going to get that down before you're 94, right? Yes. Okay, yes, got yes. it. And is it fun to work with young people? It's, it's very endurable. I walk my little dog sometimes. <laughs> But most of the time, I'm just sitting and she's watching me. <laughs> well, let me turn, if I might, to uh, 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 Roe Duffy and Emily Reardon. What's it like to perform with someone who is, or people who are decades and decades and decades older than you? What has it meant? What does it feel like? Um, well, to be completely honest, I, it doesn't really bother me. It, I don't really notice the age gap for some reason. It's just in the Young at Heart chorus, um, 
everyone there is so fun. They're so fun. They're up and dancing. Um, you know, it's like they're so much more fun to hang out with than maybe even some people that are my age. They're very fun. They're up and dancing. They're singing. Um, it's just a wonderful thing to um, see and witness. So I'm really excited for the upcoming show. Emily Rudin, thank you for those words. Uh, if I might, Rodafi, your thoughts? It's, like Em said, a lot of fun. Like, they're just so interesting and so sweet and supportive. And not to mention that they're wonderful singers and dancers, too. <laughs> so it's great energy. I just love, like, rehearsing with them. We have been speaking with, oh, yes, uh, Jen Pollens. I just wanted to say one more thing. Uh, how amazingly generous this show is um, that Bob was able to pull in dancers from all over Western Massachusetts, Springfield, Northampton, all over. So you're going to see such a variety and really creating a community um, and, and sharing the art of the Young at Heart Chorus with all of the dancers that get to come in and work with them. So I just wanted to say thank you. Oh, thank you, Jen Pollens. We are... So happy that we had with us in the studio today, Bob Silman, Jen Pollins, Alicia Duffy, Roe Duffy, Emily Reardon, Medford, Boston, Helen, Boston. Break a leg. It's going to be an amazing show. Tickets available at the Academy Music box office or through the Young at Heart Chorus website. Break a leg, guys. You are amazing. Thank you so much for being with us today. Talk with Bill Newman and Buzz Eisenberg coming up right here on WHMP. Sunday mornings on WHMP means polka. Celebrate the Valley's proud Polish heritage with Polka Carousel. Every Sunday morning from 8 till noon, TZ brings his award-winning Polka Carousel to the airwaves of the Valley, playing the polka classics and the latest polka hits. There are polka hits. Brought to you by Saluzniak Funeral Home, Northampton's funeral home for over 110 years and four generations of unparalleled thoughtful memorial care. It's Polka Carousel, WHMP. Are you looking for space to host a private event? The Hangar Pub & Grill has you covered. Our Amherst, Westfield, and Pittsfield locations are perfect for birthday parties, reunions, corporate events, and more. Customizable menu options make party planning a breeze at an affordable price. Enjoy our award-winning wings along with our other in-house favorites. And don't forget the Amherst Brewing Beer. Visit hangarpub.com events to book today. What's cooking at River Valley Co-op? Here's avid eater, grocery shopper, and co-op member, Bill Newman. The co-op's kitchen is always stirring things up. Get ready to go meals, sandwiches, salads, pizza, burritos. Get help with holiday parties and dinners. Let's bake. The co-op has all your baking essentials, like ground up, flour and grains, stone milled in Holyoke. Put a little lovin' in the oven. Breads and brownies, cookies and cake. Let your creative inspiration flow. River Valley Co-op, wild about local. Everyone is welcome. You're a nonprofit doing good work in the community. You want to let people know? That's easy. Talk to Hannah. Tell her you want to have a PSA on WHMP. If you're a community nonprofit, WHMP helps you communicate. Have an event? Need donations? Volunteers? Talk to Hannah. She'll help you craft a message and we'll run it at no cost. 
Hi, it's Hannah. Email me at hward at whmp.com or call me at 586-7400. WHMP news, information, and the arts and messages from community nonprofits. You're listening to Talk the Talk with Bill Newman and Buzz Eisenberg, WHMP. We welcome to the studio two amazing members of our community, uh, Paul Sustick, who you probably know mostly by his first name, uh, just Paul, as in Paul and Elizabeth, a restaurant that he founded with his wife 45 years ago, still going strong, one of my favorite restaurants in and around Northampton and has been for decades. We also have with us Chelsea Klein, who is the executive director of the Cancer Connection. Chelsea, let's start with you. The Cancer Connection is having an event we want our listeners to know about. Tell us when and where and why. And then we're going to turn to Paul, who is, well, how to put this, the featured performer. Thank you. Um, thanks for having us. We're so excited to be here. So we have a few fun things going on. We do have <clears throat> cooking workshops with Paul in our... We have one coming up on December 16th. We only have one spot left, but oh. we will have a series of them coming up in January. So stay tuned on our website because we will have these continuing fun workshops going on. We also have a holiday open house for Cancer Connection. So anyone can come and join us and see what we're about and learn about us and say hi to the staff. And that is on December 10th, which is a Sunday from 2 to 4 p.m. And everyone's welcome at our center, which is at 41 Locust Street, right across from Cooley Dickinson Hospital. Tell our listeners who are not familiar with the Cancer Connection what it is, what it does, and where it is. Absolutely. So Cancer Connection is a nonprofit in Western Massachusetts. We've been here for over 20 years. Our mission is to serve as a haven for people who are going through cancer and their loved ones and their caregivers. And what that means is we offer totally free services for those people. So we have support groups, we have one-on-one -on -one emotional support, and we also have free integrative therapies such as massage and Reiki and acupuncture. And you say it's free. Uh, how does it become free? We have tremendous support from the community. We are incredibly grateful. We have fun events that support the organization. We have individual donors and sponsors, which we are so grateful for. And that's, that's how we do it. That's how we keep it free. And we are very grateful to our community for supporting Cancer Connection. And in fact, you don't receive uh, reimbursements from insurance companies. You don't have any of that kind of medical establishment connections, which is to the good, but it poses a financial a burden for the organization. You've got to somehow be able to uh, finance these amazing services and this community of persons who are living with cancer and supporting each other. You are absolutely right, which is why we are so grateful for having you, uh, allowing us to come onto your show so we can talk about what we're doing and raising awareness about what we're doing and hopefully inspire people to continue to give and support us. Okay, which brings me to Paul Sustick. You wanted to say one more time what it is that Paul is doing, and then we're going to find out how he's, well, he's not going to give away the secrets of the, all, all the recipes, but well, maybe he will. We'll find out. why. What's Paul doing? Paul is hosting a 
plant-based cooking workshop for Cancer Connection participants and caregivers. And that is on, what is it, December 16th. He's doing vegetarian Thanksgiving foods. We have one spot left, but he will have more of these workshops coming up in January. But we also have other fun workshops coming up. We have a holiday card-making workshop coming up on December 2nd. And we also have um, container gardening coming up on December 9th. So people can go to our website and learn more about those. Um, but there will be ongoing cooking workshops with Paul Sustic in January, as I said, so people can keep an eye out for those. What attracted... Well, one thing, um, we're Paul. doing November. Yes, not, it's not December. These are, this is Thanksgiving. I'm sorry. <laughs> That's okay. <laughs> That's all right. <laughs> and then we'll have another one in December. Thank you for correcting me. <laughs> I, I was going to ease into that, Chelsea. <laughs> <laughs> Just as... <laughs> but uh, uh, Paul Sustic, what grabbed my attention was your teaching people to cook delicious, uh, delicious meals uh, uh, and do it plant-based for Thanksgiving. So mm. we can be prepared to not have to necessarily celebrate turkeys. Mm -hmm. Tell us about that. Tell us what you're going to teach and tell us what the, what the dishes are. Well, we're going to do some uh, desserts because desserts are always a big part. We'll and I love back. starting we'll, with desserts, we'll so start, let's do we'll that. We'll start with desserts. <laughs> <laughs> we'll probably do some kind of um, autumn pudding, corn autumn pudding, and we'll also do a uh, sweet potato pie. And um, so we'll show them how to do some, you know, the basics of how to make a pie dough. Okay. And uh, so it won't be totally plant-based. There'll be some butter and... And little cream mixed in, of course. I consider butter plant-based. <laughs> in, in, in my diet, butter is plant-based. That's just, we're just, we're just going to make that clear. And it's Thanksgiving. But, and, um, and it's Thanksgiving. Yeah, and then we'll, you know, we'll make a, um, a vegetarian stuffing. Okay. Yeah, of course. You know, I love to use the uh, Hungry Ghost bread for that um, to kind of get a couple of loaves and let it dry out and... And it's and stuffing that doesn't have to be stuffed in a turkey. It just is called stuffing. No, yep, we'll probably be stuffing some mushrooms and or stuffing some squash with that. Okay. And so, so be, there'll be a lot of stuffing because... And we'll probably do... We always usually do two soups, which are not totally Thanksgiving, but it's, we'll do some kind of cauliflower soup and a bean soup. And... Um, and these are all these are all dishes you'll be teaching at this. Uh, yeah, so we try to do we yeah we you know we sort of just kind of fly through things, and uh, we'll do a, a fresh cranberry sauce. Okay, and, and I guess I'm yes. Well, I just wanted to ask you, Paul Sustic, why are you lending your incredible skills and your name to the Cancer Connection fundraiser? Well, they're a they're an amazing organization, and. Um, that I just happened to run into through circumstances in my life. And um, my daughter had um, had a cancer diagnosis a couple of years ago, and I ended up, and she's cancer-free now. But in the meantime, I went out and cooked with her for a while, and she lives in Idaho. And um, so... Then I got in touch with the Cancer Connection while I was out there, actually. And time just, you know, it, we just developed a relationship. And 
it's worked out really well. The Cancer Connection is a great organization. And, I mean, they and, do the cooking is sort of easy. They do really all the legwork. They get all the people. They they got me a beautiful location to work with the ServiceNet in Hat, Hatfield, and um, so they do all the organization of it, which is, I think, most of the, a lot of the work. <laughs> so let me. Uh, ask you, in terms of the services, did you connect, and if you don't want to go here, we'll move on to another topic, lots to ask you about. Um, did you receive services from the Cancer Connection that you might share with us? Did, did I receive services? Yes, with, were you connected with the Cancer Connection? I, I wasn't before, no. And you accessed them because of your daughter's situation? Yeah, I mean, I had known about this, the service the cancer connection just through, from being in town and being connected to to thorns and, and we're all sort of interconnected here in this little beautiful town of northampton and um so i called and um talked to a woman named laura who who is their director or center director uh, and she kind of you know talked to me about my idea and then we sort of kept developing it until you know we sort of got dates last year and we're continue continuing them this year we're i think i think that's the point about the cancer connection is we, we we are not mindful of what they do until we need what they do but this is these workshops and your and your outreach is a chance for all of us to be aware that you're there um like paul you never know when it's going to be personal yeah and then the you know and and cancer you know, through it's obviously you know you're there's so many different stages of it of just develop of knowing that you have it and then after <clears throat> it, they tell you you're cancer free and you sort of get dropped from the system then that's where again the cancer connection really kicks in because there's still a lot going on after after those two years of chemo and and radiation and uh, so the cancer connection you know you still need a lot of support and that's so anyone who's connected like that is invited to the to participate in the cooking classes. Okay. I did want to say, if someone Chelsea. is interested in that last spot, they can call the center at 586-1642. What's that number again? 586-1642. 586-1642. And our website is cancer-connection.org. And the, there's a contribution for this cooking class? We should... This you. is free for people who are connected, who are participants of Cancer Connection, um, but it, we welcome donations for sure. Well, I want to thank you, Chelsea Klein, Executive Director of the Cancer Connection, and Paul Sustic, for offering your incredible skills to teach people how to make extraordinary meals. And in time for Thanksgiving, I guess I have to ask this. I hesitate. At your Thanksgiving, at your uh, day of remembrance. Do you eat turkey? Oh, I do. <laughs> <laughs> and that, that runs afoul to what your <laughs> workshop is. That was good. <laughs> and and do you have a special preparation that you want to tell us about in ten seconds? Oh, ten seconds. You, it's turkeys are really easy to cook. You just put a, them in the oven, and then you have a couple of pounds of butter ready to just keep, <laughs> Again with the, keep rubbing over them for the next four hours. <laughs> okay. Paul Sustic of Paul and Elizabeth and Chelsea Klein, Executive Director of the Cancer Connection. Thank you both so very much. Really you. appreciate okay. your time. Thank you.
cooking, I always ask for more. And they call me Mr. Natural on down to the health food store. I only Hi, this is Tom from 4-H. What will the next 100 years look like for today's youth? According to the 4-H members of Hampshire counties, there are no limits. Youth supported by adult 4-H club leaders are being prepared to take on any role they can imagine. Astronaut, director, hockey player, surgeon, engineer, and CEO. These are just some of the roles that a recent survey shows that our 4-Hers not only dream about, but are preparing for. Join the 4-H team. Call me, Tom, at 413-545-0611. Want to make a difference in a big way? Nearly 200 children in Hampshire County are on a waiting list to be matched with adult mentors called BIGS. Children who are matched with mentors through Big Brothers, Big Sisters of Hampshire County do better in school, report higher self-confidence, and have better relationships with peers. Start something. Call 413-259-3345 and volunteer or donate to Big Brothers, Big Sisters of Hampshire County. WHMP Northampton and W. This is Talk the Talk with Bill Newman and Buzz Eisenberg on WHMP. And welcome to Talk the Talk. I am Buzz Eisenberg. I'm Bill Newman. And Bill Newman, I am um, I'm very serious this morning. I am sobered. I am frightened about, we keep talking about the delicate state of our democracy. But uh, the more I keep hearing from uh, the presidential wannabe Donald Trump, and from the uh, Republican Party, such as it is, um, from the Speaker of the House, I really think we are imperiled. And commentators keep talking about the rise of authoritarianism, some actually calling it fascism. Um, I think we have good reason to be frightened, Bill. I think we have more than good reason to be frightened. We have Donald Trump's own words. And I saw a comparison of quotes from Trump's most recent speech and Hitler's speeches and the words that Trump used in four or five instances were almost identical to Adolf Hitler's. And it was chilling to read those comparisons. Opponents are vermin. Um, opponents are traitors. Um, we should have camps, we should set up camps to deal with immigrants and criminals. We uh, should uh, invoke on day one, he said, the Insurrection Act so that the military can control U.S. citizens in their conduct, and on and on. And what he made really clear is, I'm going to go after my enemies and I'm going to get them. We're going to weaponize the Department of Justice and we are going to put people in prison, not because of what they've done, but because of who they are. This is authoritarianism. This is indeed fascism. Chief of Staff Milley should be executed for his disloyalty. Um, election workers are, uh, violence is synonymous with fascist regimes, and election workers are afraid to volunteer in many states because their physical safety is imperiled um, by the legions of people who are following this man. It's, Dan, do you have, I know that you listened to his Veterans Day speech, um, you have any thoughts about this? Well, one thought that came to my mind right now is that it's, to him, it's all about loyalty to him, to his ideas. He is, from what I'm hearing from uh, journalists that are following his campaign, he has now surrounded himself with people who will tell him, 
great speech. You're beautiful. It wasn't like back in 2016 where, quote unquote, the media wanted to say there were adults in the room. There are no more adults there. There's now uh, support and adulation to anything that he uh, uh, believes in and says. And um, yeah, this is, I think, and I heard this uh, as well from Joe Scarborough. This is going to be the most important election since 1864, since that election. I mean, this one can really define the country for the next 20 to 40 years. And, and the reason why I panicked last time Josh Silver was on this show is he's not doing terribly in the polls for a guy who's facing 91 indictments and is espousing this, what you're saying. You know, his poll numbers to me look kind of good given his circumstances. I just, I just want to amplify what you said and what Bill's been writing about in his column with the Daily Hampshire Gazette. Uh, we pledge to you that we will root out the communists, Marxists, fascists, and the radical left thugs that live like vermin within the confines of our country, that lie and steal and cheat on elections. They'll do anything, whether legally or illegally, to destroy America and destroy your American dream. Those are his words. Yeah, you know, and and guys, I want to bring up something. Actually, I had a conversation with a friend about this uh, this past weekend. And his rebuttal to me when I bring some of this up is, oh, it's just words. He won't get to implement it. And I just want to bring that up to you two and tell me, tell me... (laughs) I know what I said to him, but I wonder what you two think of that. Well, this was actually the exact point that I wrote about in my column, my most recent column in the Gazette that was printed in most months. It is printed as well in the Greenfield Recorder. And I talked about that concept, that argument. Well, they're just words. And uh, let me see if I can find these uh, couple of short paragraphs to share with you. It says, I wrote this. I'd like to share a conversation I overheard when I was very young. A friend of my parents was arguing to them that the world could not have known what Hitler would do. My dad responded, oh yes, the world should have known because Hitler published his plans and his beliefs in his memoir and treatise, Mein Kampf. My dad was right. Mein Kampf put the world on notice of Hitler's rabid anti-Semitism, his desire to annihilate Jews and other minorities, his plans for German conquest, and his need for absolute power, all presaging his plans for a fascist thousand-year Reich. It's all in his writing and speeches. The world only needed to read and hear his words. Some people did. Some even approved which is exactly where we are with Trump. He's telling us exactly what he's going to do. He's going to impose authoritarianism on the United States. And he has a new Speaker of the House who is standing with him shoulder to shoulder and yesterday pledged his undying fidelity and loyalty to keep Trump as president. It is quite extraordinary. And what do the Republicans say? Oh, well, uh, so be it. Uh, We'll have another debate. Meanwhile, Trump is leading in the polls by 30 points over those who would seek, the others who would seek the Republican nomination. Not that they, and, and let's be clear, uh, Nikki Haley is far right. She is not, however, a complete fascist. And I use that word and that term advisedly. Trump has become a fascist. He has, he is, and he wants to make America an authoritarian country with him as the great leader. This got really personal for us. Our daughter married a young man of German descent. He's a fantastic person. We went to Austria and met with his family and extended friends. And they were all, when they came to the wedding and when they, we went there, 
they were embarrassed. They were still, all those years later, apologizing for the Holocaust and trying to explain it. And we heard from these people who were 8 and 10 years old when uh, their country became literally Nazi Germany and Austria, respectively. And, and they told us how their parents were so appalled about what was happening in their otherwise democratic societies, and they just felt helpless. And years later, their children felt so embarrassed and horrified that their parents didn't do more. We're in a situation where we really have to do more. We are hearing straight-up Nazi talk in, in a way we haven't heard during our lifetime. And it's, it's permitted. We, uh, it's what condoned. Just, what you were just talking about, Bill, can you imagine if Trump and his vice president selection and the Speaker of the House, democracy will be dead. These are three fascists in charge of our country. Uh, this is Dan again. Um, so during his speech in uh, a Veterans Day in New Hampshire, he advocated openly to just executing drug dealers. Um, and his justification and rationale for it is China has 1.4 billion people, and that's what they do. And they don't have the drug problem we do. And it seemed like he crowdsourced that answer. And then I was also reading articles in, in the New York Times and other articles about what he uh, intends to do if taken in power and regarding camps that you said about immigration and deportation this time they plan to strike very early and very rapid their goal is to overwhelm the system so the lawyers won't have times to attempt to uh, block these orders so their goal now is strike fast and hard and strike in so many different areas that lawyers and the system designed to stop it at the judiciary and block these orders won't have time to do it Bill, isn't it incredible that on vet, he chose Veterans Day, Veterans Day, to make that speech? Well, I don't think he cared one way or the other. It was Veterans Day. The question is, was it a holiday that could get him a lot of publicity? And, and, it, and it, it, it all worked exactly and, as planned. And, Here and, we what are. Has, and what has he said about veterans? I mean, we can go through the list of them. What was in it for them? They're suckers. They get suckers. killed. They volunteer Why for war. That's that? disgusting. That's, uh, what, that's, how Don, that's what Donald Trump really I remember believed. I know more than the generals. Yeah. yeah, or John McCain and, and all of that, and the guys, yeah. But, you know, also, um, I just think uh, Donald Trump's uh, argument here is that, you know, he is going to try to restore something, and what he's trying to do is deport people. And then his counter-argument is, well, if I deport people, it's going to shrink the number of employees that exist, so wages are going to go up, and he thinks he's going to win massive amounts of praise, Right. And so that's that's what he thinks is going to happen. If I deport these people, wages are going to go up in the country and everybody's going to love me. And the scary part to me is if, you know, the economy should be doing better for Joe Biden, but he's struggled to kind of sell that to people. And Trump is up on the economy uh, versus Joe Biden. So I don't know. I, I'm I'm concerned about his his potential appeal unless he ends up in jail and convicted. Um, I, I think that is a crucial point, Dan Torres. The New York Times survey showed that Trump would win. The polling showed that Trump would win five out of the six uh, most important swing states. Battleground states, yeah. And he would win some of them, like Arizona, by a lot. And the question is, why... One question is, why is it that notwithstanding that the economy actually is doing quite well and people's real wages have increased 
quite a bit, and that inflation has been reduced uh, by a spectacular percentage of what it had been, and that the employment rate is really high, the unemployment rate is really low, and the economy by any measure is doing really well. And most people think Joe Biden's doing a lousy job on the economy and Donald Trump would do a lot better. And that's what people think. And the one caveat for Trump going out and celebrating the polls, the New York Times Siena poll uh, that showed him winning five out of the six battleground states is that there was a follow-up question. If he's convicted, could that affect or might that affect your vote? And 5% of Trump's support supporters said, yes, that might change my mind. Uh, it's a sliver, a sliver of Trump supporters who are susceptible to, open to, uh, amenable to the possibility of not voting for him. It's just a sliver. The rest think he's being victimized. But the, they all think he's being victimized. But the sliver, if that were to be peeled away from him, is enough to change the outcome of the election. By the way, it isn't just his voters that think he's being victimized. Um, I, I was reading the Washington Post over the weekend, and I found an article, it was published maybe a couple weeks ago, uh, that noted that 6 in 10 Americans believe that his indictments have everything to do with 2024, either so, somewhat involved or somewhat uh, likely because of 2024 or very likely because he's running in 2024. So he's been able to sort of convince some people who either lean Republican or are very strong Republicans that it is a witch hunt against him just because of 2024. And he says this all the time about the judiciary. They're only going after me because I'm running 2024. That's why it didn't happen when Joe Biden first took office. And now we're seeing him able to kind of turn some Americans into believing that this is this is happening to me because I am running. So many Americans. I think that's what chills me the most, which is it isn't Donald Trump, although he is certainly chilling enough. But it's those people who still support him. Yesterday, we were, I, I don't think I've done this on the air before, but I'm encouraging people to listen to our podcast yesterday with uh, Professor Austin Sarrett, who had written an article in The Hill talking about why our youth turned off to democracy. And, he, and, and Bill and I actually talked to him, asked him, what about teaching critical thinking? What about teaching people to look at our democracy and seeing its flaws? And he said... There's a time for that, but right now things are in crisis. Democracy is imperiled. We all have to be looking at what democracy, without democracy, none of the uh, inclusive, let's include gay people, let's include women, let's include African-Americans, none of that can happen. Everything that Bill Newman, the ACLU, fights for, it cannot happen but in a democratic setting. So um, let's, uh, let's all get active. We're going to be right back, uh, right after this, and continue this, what I think is a crucial conversation, preserve our democracy. You're listening to Talk the Talk with Bill Newman and Buzz Eisenberg. Hi, Tom Hartman here. Be sure to join me noon to 3 Eastern time, Monday through Friday, right here on the Tom Hartman Program. Occupying the media three hours a day, five days a week for We the People. On 101.5 and 1400. Join me noon to three Eastern time, Monday through Friday, right here on the Tom Hartman Program. WHMP.
Franklin County has a vibrant history of farming. At the Franklin County House of Correction, we bring that history to life with education and vocational programs around farming and gardening. Incarcerated men and women learn to work in active organic garden. Best of all, they harvest, they send home to help support and feed their families. This is Sheriff Chris Donnellan, and I can't think of better therapy than farming and feeding your family. That's the history of Franklin County, and we honor it at the Sheriff's Office every day. The Paul Parent Garden Club, every Sunday, 6 to 8 a.m. Brought to you by Winesick Nursery, locally owned and operated since 1954. Visit Mike, Amity, John, and the rest of the team at Winesick Nursery, Route 9 in Hadley, and online at winesicknursery.com. Whatever the season, something fun is happening at the Hitchcock Center for the Environment. From home energy efficiency workshops to birding classes and nature walks, we have hands-on activities happening all year long. Whether you're 2 or 92, the Hitchcock Center has an opportunity for you to connect with our natural world. Come visit us at our new location, the Hitchcock Center, 845 West Street in Amherst. For more information, visit hitchcockcenter.org. Jay Burnham here, voice of the Massachusetts Minutemen. Touchdown, Massachusetts! I just wanted to let you know that all of the UMass football action can be heard right here on our new flagship home for Massachusetts football. It's WHMP. You're listening to Talk the Talk with Bill Newman and Buzz Eisenberg. WHMP. Uh, we are continuing our conversation about our imperiled democracy and about the increasing fascist rhetoric coming from the right. Bill, you've been writing a lot about this. You've been thinking about it and talking about it. Uh, One aspect of this that I think we need to highlight at this point in this conversation is how many people in the United States, how many voters and what an overwhelming percentage of Republicans believe, and that is that the election was stolen from Donald Trump. It is the basis, vengeance for the stolen election and getting his enemies. That's what motivates, that's what puts the gas on the fire of Donald Trump and Trumpism. It's really, really uh, uh, mind-boggling that such a large percentage of People in this country believe a total fabrication, a lie, disinformation. There were 60 60 lawsuits brought by Trump contesting the election. 60 lawsuits were thrown out of court, mostly by Republican Trump appointees. The man is someone with dictatorial aspirations. And what do the Republicans do? They select as Speaker of the House a Christian nationalist who yesterday said, and I'm 100% with Donald Trump. It is so important that we elect Donald Trump. And I think I'd share with you the uh, final uh, graph of my piece in yesterday's recorder, Greenfield Recorder, that previously was published in the Daily Hampshire Gazette. It was mostly about Johnson, but it also talked, of course, about the synergy between Johnson and Trump. And Here's my conclusion. Republicans assert as the reason for standing shoulder to shoulder with Johnson is that he doesn't grandstand. He's sincere, and he is sincere about making his Christian nationalism the reality in the United States. He's sincere and most important, and I quote, a nice guy. 
The assertion reminds me of the fact that Adolf Hitler and other high-ranking Nazis who perpetrated World War II and the Holocaust loved their dogs. Apparently, they really did. We are talking about how this happens, and, and, and Bill is just so right. The, the frightening thing is how many people... I mean, this is a man who said, before the election, if I don't win, the election is rigged. This is a man who called, uh, who incited a crowd to go and want to kill his vice president because his vice president wanted to certify the election. And, and we've seen it in history, and uh, with us is Larry Hutt. We see it not only in United States history... Globally, we've seen the rise of fascism so many times. And you were telling us you've just seen a film which really has sparked uh, your understanding of how this thing happens. This film couldn't be more relevant to this conversation. It's called While We Watched, a great title because it is about a newscaster in India. And you can get the double entendre there, While We Watched and Did Nothing, and while we watched television and saw what happened. This is about a newscaster named Ravish Kumar, one of the most popular, most recognized faces in all of India, which is, by the way, the largest democracy in the world, over a billion people. And let's put that democracy in quotes because of what Narendra Modi, the prime minister of India, has done. This film is particularly about what he has done to the media. Ravish Kumar is a charismatic, middle-aged man who goes on television every night and tries to tell his country what's happening. In the meantime, the film shows you the newscasters from other stations, like Fox News, who are ranting and raving about anti-nationalists. They might as well call them vermin, right? And Ravish Kumar, who seems to be the last man standing every day goes on his television station and tells people, watch what's happening. We are losing our country. At the beginning of the film, he says something I felt was so telling. He says, nationalism is the same as evangelical religion. In this case, it's Hindu versus Muslim. In the United States, it's evangelical Christian, white versus everybody else. So the parallels to what's happening in the United States and what's happening in India are so clear. Now, I want to talk about this film as a film because it's brilliant. One of the things that does work so well is it stays with one person for an hour and a half, and there's a trajectory here. And you see the trajectory through a very interesting device. The device is a chocolate cake. Okay, what do I mean by that? At this station... Wait a second. Let me ask the question. What do you mean by that? Thank, <laughs> thank you, Bill. Thank you. I could do both sides of this myself. Yeah, I understood. I was, I was going to go ahead and cup, cup of coffee. Let me know. When, when we, we just know. had our cake and ate it too. Come, come back in a minute. So, the film has a sense of humor, and it has to because otherwise it would be so terrifying. Every time a crisis happens at the station, and they they're losing ratings because of the attack on the government. In fact, the government even jams their signal at, at times. Imagine, say, ABC or CBS News signal was jammed by the by the federal government. So he's in the middle of doing one of his, his editorials, and then all of a sudden it doesn't, he can't get through. He freezes on screen. Well, people at the station, they're losing their jobs because they're not getting the ad revenue. So it seems like every month some major person in the studio that you've gotten to know through this film quits and takes a more secure job. So they have a party and give them a chocolate cake. After a while, when you see the cake come out, 
it's like, you know, a head is going to roll, right? And it's funny and it's sad at the same time. That's one th great thing that this film does. The other thing is that you have to have something that humanizes this man who seems to work 24-7, trying to get the word out that this is dangerous. We have to do something. He goes home to his nine-year-old daughter who likes to sing and play the piano and sing him a song. And this is his respite. This is what he needs in his life to keep him sane. So you see in the daughter the future, the good future. This is what we're working for. Right? So the film is a, has a brilliant structure. Every day you see people from the station leaving. Every evening you see him going home to his family. Can he, can he survive? And I felt that this is really a warning to all of us. And the warning comes to him in the form of death threats um, that he plays on his phone, horrible death threats, and that he has become the symbol of what they call anti-nationalism. And here, well, that would be anti-Americanism. Right? So the left here, or what's known as left, even the center here, or the Democratic Party, here is vilified. And here, and in a country of over a billion people, the largest democracy in the world, which is now failing. And who came to visit the United States recently? Narendra Modi. Yeah, Modi was here. Modi and it was, was, here, and was right? uh, graciously and warmly received. Because he's so Joe powerful, Biden. right? And she is now in, in California. I mean, of course, our president has to meet with powerful people. We need to keep talking. But when you're shaking hands with these people, what are you saying? You're giving them power because they want to come to the United States and they then are legitimized in the eyes of their people. So while we watched is a warning to us. Uh, this film, I highly recommend that you look for it while we watched. Look on, on Netflix or, or Amazon Prime. If it's $3.99, pay for it. You take this as a warning. Anybody who is not doing anything, you're just watching, then you're letting this happen. Well, that's what I want to talk about. Right after the break, I want to talk to you, Larry Hott, you, Bill Newman, and you, Dan Torres. What are we to do? We'll be right back. is Talk the Talk with Bill Newman and Buzz Eisenberg. For WHMP News, I'm Jess Tyler. Rep. Natalie Blay and Senator Joe Comerford have introduced an act creating a state disaster relief fund for emergency management. The bill would establish a fund providing financial relief to those impacted by natural disasters across the Commonwealth. Massachusetts is one of only two states that does not have a permanent disaster relief fund. If enacted, MEMA will establish a program using $250 million from excess capital gains revenue that would otherwise be transferred to the Rainy Day Fund. Amherst Town officials must approve an increase of nearly $10 million to the borrowing cap for the Jones Library renovation project in order to receive grant funding from the Massachusetts Board of Library Commissioners. But residents are wary of the ever-increasing costs for the ambitious project. The Gazette reports that some residents don't want to see costs increase after already having appropriated over $46 million to the project. Failure to raise the spending cap could result in construction delays for the renovation and expansion project, resulting in additional costs. 
Town Manager Paul Bockelman assured town councilors that approving the spending cap increase would not result in taxpayers shouldering any additional costs. The Healy-Driscoll administration is expected to announce a financial aid expansion to benefit students attending public community colleges and universities. Governor Maura Healy, along with Lieutenant Governor Driscoll and the Secretary of Education, will be at Salem State University this morning to make the announcement that could impact over 25,000 students. Mostly sunny this morning, partly sunny to mostly cloudy this afternoon with a high of 48 to 52. Will be mostly clear tonight. Evening temperatures in the 30s and 40s, an overnight low of 26 to 32. Sunny tomorrow, a high of 56 to 60, mostly cloudy and 60 on Friday. I'm 22 News Storm Team Meteorologist Brian Lapis, 1015 WHMP. When you're going through a tough time and need to talk with a mental health care provider as soon as possible, Walk into ServiceNet's clinic at 50 Pleasant Street in downtown Northampton any Wednesday between 10 and 2. We'll see you right away. Or call ServiceNet anytime to make an appointment. Talk therapy, medication management, and other specialized treatments. ServiceNet's team works together to provide the care you need all in one place. Walk in Wednesdays 10 to 2 or call anytime. Hi, this is Mike Cherry, manager of Greenfield Savings Bank's newly renovated Northampton branch at 325A King Street. Please join us Monday, November 13th through Saturday, November 18th for a week-long celebration for our grand reopening. Our new lobby features newly designed teller stations and a state-of-the-art technology bar where customers can access their online or mobile banking, sign up for additional services and account benefits, and access financial education and fraud prevention information. There is also an area for children where they can play financial literacy games. Plus, we have specials on CDs, daily prize drawings, food, and more. Looking forward to seeing you there. Join the week-long reopening celebration of the newly renovated Greenfield Savings Bank Northampton branch at 325A King Street, November 13th through November 18th. No purchase necessary and GSB account not required to win daily drawings. Member FDIC, member DIF. Greenfieldsavings.com. You're a nonprofit doing good work in the community. You want to let people know? That's easy. Talk to Hannah. Tell her you want to have a PSA on WHMP. If you're a community nonprofit, WHMP helps you communicate. Have an event? Need donations? Volunteers? Talk to Hannah. She'll help you craft a message and we'll run it at no cost. Hi, it's Hannah. Email me at hward at whmp.com or call me at 586-7400. WHMP News, Information, and the Arts and messages from community nonprofits. You're listening to Talk the Talk with Bill Newman and Buzz Eisenberg. WHMP. And welcome back. We are continuing our conversation about um, the uh, fragile state of democracy, which Bill keeps reminding us about in the columns for the, uh, that he writes for the Daily Hampshire Gazette and that are uh, published in the Greenfield Recorder. And, and I just keep thinking, I was reading, Axios' Sarah Fisher wrote about Trump's Veterans Day speech. She wrote about violence and how violence is part of what fascism brings to us. Trump's increasingly violent rhetoric calling for a U.S. military leader to be executed, mocking a near-fatal assault on a congressional spouse, urging police to shoot potential shoplifters. It's become a staple of his brand as he faces the threat of conviction in four different criminal cases. And there are so many people, we're talking about democracy, we're talking about the voice of the people, but so many voters 
profess their allegiance to Trump. And yet, for those of us who really want to see change, who wants, who are committed to pluralism, it's so important to keep our democracy vibrant and healthy. You, Larry Hott, were talking during the break about something I know that you're very passionate about, about how we can preserve our democracy. I've been working for four years now with the Movement Voter Project as a volunteer. I'm going to assume you know anything, know nothing about us, so I'll just give you the basics. The Movement Voter Project funnels money to about 600 grassroots organizations across the United States, but the bulk of the money goes to the swing states and the purple states. And what it does is it finds these grassroots organizations that are working to get out the vote, not just for national elections, those are the marquee races, but for the school boards, for the city councils, for initiatives. For example, if there's a, in Detroit, there are parents who are lobbying to get a, uh, a school bus stop for their kids. You know, they'll organize around that. They'll get those people and get them registered to vote so they can vote for that as a local initiative. And then those people are then organized around voting for, say, a state legislator. Uh, we know that the states really are the problem here, right, because of the way our, our system of government is set up. So if state legislatures are go Republican and they gerrymander so that you can't get the, the will of the people in Congress, then we cannot control all the branches of there government. There goes democracy. There goes democracy. So you start at the local level. A Movement Voter Project supports these groups, not just for an election, because that is the death knell of democracy, if you only support people just for an election. You know what happens to, to candidates with that money? You know, that money goes to pay off their debts. It goes into a bank account for the next campaign. It's a sandcastle. just washes away. Movement Voter Project now is committing to at least four years of support for these grassroots organizations. I'll just tell you about one of them because you're talking about in the abstract. It, it, it doesn't really stick. There's a group in... And, and let me just, in, just add that the Movement Voter Project has this kind of funny slogan sometimes, which is supporting groups you've never heard of in states you're not going to visit. Well, they stole that from the Montague Book Mill. Oh, they did? <laughs> oh, yeah, that's right. You're right. You're right. But, but, um, but it's true that when the political parties come into a state for an election, they come and they leave. Parachute. And, it, and they may or may not be effective. But we're talking about local groups who people in those communities know and trust going door to door right. to ask for votes and to get out the vote. Remember carpet bagging? We studied that in high school. And it was created all the resentment in the South during Reconstruction. Well, that's what happens if you fly down to Alabama or you even go up to New Hampshire or across the, the river to New York State. You're a carpet bagger. You're from the outside. Moving Voters Project's idea is you get the money to the people on the ground. So there's an organization in Milwaukee called Black Leaders Organizing Communities. Movement Voter Project started working with them four or five years ago. First gave them like $10,000 and $50,000, then $500,000, dollars This is the group that in Milwaukee, which is the biggest voting block in Wisconsin, goes into the black community and says, we need you to get out and vote. In 2016, they didn't have all those people voting. Trump won the state by 20,000 votes. 2020, they reorganized. They got out to vote with the help of money from Movement Voter Project. And what is that money paid for, for all these groups? It pays for the staff, it pays for volunteers, paid volunteers, it pays for the gas, it pays for the food that you have to give the volunteers, it pays for the rent for the office, it pays for the laptops, it pays for the cell phones. You can't assume that everybody has all this equipment. 
and then it pays for it for years so that people can organize over time. That's the only way we're going to hold back the tide of fascism in this country is by organizing at the local level. And you here in Massachusetts, where 30% of our population is Republican, by the way, but still, it's not, we are a blue state. If you want to affect the red states, you need to give the money to the people on the ground in those states who are doing their work. So if you're scared about rise of authoritarian in this country and you don't know what to do, the simplest thing you can do is support the Movement Voter Project, which is movement.vote, www.movement.vote. It's really brilliant. Movement Voting Voter Project, MVP. Bill Newman, where was it founded? I don't know. Let's ask Larry Hutt. Well, I'll tell you, it started in Chicago, but the director, Billy Wimsett, moved to Northampton. Uh, but it started out, and if you want to look it up, it started out as something called All Hands on Deck. That's its legal name. You can look it up. You can see it's 990 if you, you want to. Uh, it is mostly a PAC now. That means that the money can be used for partisan causes. If somebody feels they absolutely have to give uh, money for tax donation, that could be done too, and the donation if information is on that page. What we do here in Western Massachusetts, we have what we call a hub here. There's another hub in the Boston area, there's a hub in Seattle, there's a hub in the Bay Area, and volunteers all over the country. We organize and get people together, and right now, mostly um, virtual house parties through Zoom, and explain to them, just like I'm explaining to you now, and they donate, and the, 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 the uh, gold standard here is to make people monthly sustainers, like all, all other uh, fundraising groups want that, want that. And in fact, I am now working on something called the Legal Community Network, because the only way to work for this is, is relational organizing, get people you know. So, for example, we have a healthcare initiative, uh, which is organized by uh, Michael Kane, among others. Michael Kane's a, a local Northampton organizer and get people in the healthcare community all over the country to recognize how important it is to preserve democracy and how the, the mostly democratic governments do, uh, in the United States do much better on healthcare than Republicans. The other thing is, I, I don't think I'm unique here. My inbox is flooded with please support Adam Schiff or Katie right. Porter or Tammy is running against Jim Jordan. Let's keep Jim Jordan out of Congress. You know, and, and there's so many difficult decisions to make in that regard, but MVP offers... Well, I'll tell you a, an interesting story. When I first joined up with MVP, one of the things that got me to stay with them is uh, people said to me, you know, if you work with MVP, you can erase every email, every, every email from every candidate bugging you because the most effective thing you can do is give money to a movement voter project. Not that you shouldn't work with swing left and indivisible, because that's more volunteer. And if you want to give money to a particular candidate, fine, go ahead. But the most effective use of your money is giving it to the people on the ground in the states that are going to determine what the, happens at both the state and federal level. So you're talking about these, these uh, I guess by Zoom, people can participate in... in right. Uh, so tell us about that. When, when is it happening? How can people find out more about it? Well, if you go to movement.vote, you can uh, read about the, all the groups. You can give in individually directly to a group if you want to. Uh, there are also funds that aggregate, say, so the western Western states, or funds that work on, on immigration issues. Or you can, or if you want, you can give to groups in in Florida. Um, and if you want to um, find out what's happening locally, uh, then you can just contact me. Uh, I'll give you a simple email address: lawrencehot at gmail.com. 
Uh, How do you spell Lawrence? L-A-W-R-E-N-C-E. Or you can even do LarryHot at gmail.com. Um, and I'd be happy to put you in touch with the local group, uh, get you on our mailing list, and let you know uh, when you can attend the next uh, house party. And this could be anywhere in the country, anywhere in the world. We've done house parties uh, in uh, Thailand, for example, uh, with exp expats. Uh, we certainly do people in Hawaii and Calif California. Um, it doesn't, the Zoom culture has allowed us to take this national and international. Why, in your judgment, does the Movement Voter Project appeal to people above, and frankly, in lieu of, some other fundraising efforts that people might be attracted to? The Movement Voter Project gives the money to people on the ground who are doing the work that you cannot do. Right? Um, I'm not about to go to Alabama or Mississippi and show up and say, here I, here I am for a week, you know, give me something to do, feed me, take care of me while I, while I volunteer. You want to support the people who are on the ground, who know the community, who are trusted messengers, right? You also know that your money is gonna be used over the long term and not be, pay, be used to pay off debts. Uh, let's say one thing specifically about this, how effective are television ads? They have proven not to be effective at all because they're just a war between different candidates throwing money into television ads that turn everybody off. After and they a, cancel a, each other out as well. They cancel is, each other is, out, is, exactly. Is conventional wisdom. Right. But you know that boots on the ground <laughs> is what does it. The Republicans understand this. They're going door to door. The Democrats understand they're going door to door. Who pays for those people to go to the door? You can't, you, if volunteers are, are asked to do it on evenings and weekends, that's not enough. Who vets the proposed organizations or people on the ground? There, are, there are, are state advisors who are very well-trained political operatives, people who understand what's going on in their state. Either groups come to, to them and say, we need help, or they look around and see what groups are doing, and they, and they give them some money. And frequently, it's seed money, and then the next year they see how they're doing. And some movement voter pro project could, is responsible sometimes for 80% of a group's budget if they are effective. Uh, and in Georgia, the, the last election, when in that runoff, the, those, senator, those Democratic senators would not have won without the support of, for example, Black Voters Matter, which movement supporter, movement, vote, uh, movement voter project, MVP, has been supporting right from the beginning. It's just so important, Larry Hutt. We're going to take a break. When we come back, I, I want to turn our attention to the rise of fascism globally, not just in this country. We'll be right back. talk with Bill Newman and Buzz Eisenberg coming up right here on WHMP. Find local news and local talk for the Valley. It wasn't necessary and it probably wasn't even appropriate on the one hand. I don't want that to sound like I don't support schools. I have a long history of supporting schools, certainly longer than any one of those city councilors. Where the heart of the Pioneer Valley lives. 1015 and 1400 WHMP News, Information, and the Arts. 
What's Cooking at River Valley Co-op? Here's avid eater, grocery shopper, and co-op member, Bill Newman. The co-op's kitchen is always stirring things up. Get ready-to-go meals, sandwiches, salads, pizza, burritos. Get help with holiday parties and dinners. Let's bake. The co-op has all your baking essentials, like ground up, flour and grains, stone milled in Holyoke. Put a little lovin' in the oven. Breads and brownies, cookies and cake. Let your creative inspiration flow. River Valley Co-op, wild about local. Everyone is welcome. Last summer, Whalen Insurance finally did what a lot of insurance agencies around New England had done long ago. We partnered with a call center to handle routine things like a change of address. It went okay, but we're not going to continue. We found out that no matter how simple or complicated the matter at hand, you prefer to talk to us. As one longtime Whalen Insurance client told me, the people at the call center are great, but they're not Amy. I like knowing I can call and talk to Amy every time. I guess I should have known. Local people and local service are what sets Whalen Insurance apart from those big 1-800 insurance companies. When you want a quote, when you need help with a claim, or anything else, just call. Or come to our office on King Street. Talk to Amy, or Kelly, or Mindy, or Valerie, or Lori. We tried the call center. You tried the call center, and we found out that you prefer talking to us. Whalen Insurance. Local people, local service, local insurance. Call 586-1000. You're listening to Talk the Talk with Bill Newman and Buzz Eisenberg. WHMP. And we are talking to talk, and we're talking to talk today about the rise of fascism, authoritarianism, the threat to our democratic institutions. And Bill, you were... Uh, during the previous break, you were talking about the fact that it isn't just the United States. This is a global trend, this move towards authoritarianism. Well, it is. Look at Russia, which had an experiment with democracy, and it is now uh, acknowledged as a completely authoritarian country. Look at Turkey and Erdogan. I mean, Turkey had a fledgling democracy. Uh, look at what happened in Israel um, with the uh, Supreme Court, uh, which I think is not yet resolved uh, but uh, a far-right uh, government uh, was uh, elected, or at least cobbled together uh, in Israel. And there are Hungary. I mean, the, the number of countries that have lost their democratic either... Compass. Ex- or the experiment, or the tradition, as the case may be, is really become legion. Right. And it's very depressing. So when Trump says, who do I want to be like? I want to be like the prime minister of this country, the president of that country. And he can point to people, leaders who are authoritarian. Um, And he does. And he says, what's wrong with that? They're very strong countries. We want to be a strong country too, not realizing that our strength comes from someplace very different. Yeah, unless we despair completely, remember there are places where that have been fascist countries, authoritarian countries in recent memory that have gone back the other direction. Spain, for example, in 1975 when Franco finally left. Yes. Poland recently uh, overturned a, a, an authoritarian government. Uh, we have gone back and forth in the United States over, over time. I don't feel it's been this bad uh, since the 20s, um, but there is hope. There's hope. And the, the majority of Americans do vote for democracy. The problem is our minor, minor, uh, minoritarian, how do you pronounce it, system that gives power to the Senate and gives uh, power to the, to the courts in a way that makes it hard for the majority, particularly electoral college, uh, to uh, succeed. 
So be, in, before we can change that, and in fact, there is a process of changing at least the electoral vote. Um, if, if we get one more state to vote that they have to go along with the popular vote, then at least this is the national popular vote compact. Right. Right. But I'm not I if I were completely despairing of this, I wouldn't be working so hard to get money out to the groups that are, that are working on the ground through Movement Voter Project. Now, I, I, I want you to know that this is not the only solution. In Northampton, we've actually had a pretty good model of people who are running for city council. We have we have had contested seats, but there have been complaints across the country that a lot of the seats on school boards go uncontested and city councils go uncontested. Uh, so this is where people can step up besides just giving money. They can get involved. Of course, I want the, only the right people to get involved, but st still, <laughs> they can get involved. Yeah, I, I also think, I, I don't mean to get Pollyannish about all this, but I do think it's worth repeating something that Buzz uh, just alluded to, which was uh, Amherst uh, College professor, political scientist, professor of jurisprudence and political science, uh, Austin Serrett, on the show yesterday said, look, <clears throat> One thing that's getting lost when, didn't accuse me personally, but it was kind of you lefty progressives uh, start deriding uh, the experiment, the failed experiment in some ways of democracy in the United States, but in some ways a successful experiment. And he pointed out that democracy actually over the long term in the United States has expanded. And that's true. And if you look at what has happened to the United States Constitution, you look back over the last 150 or so years, and the elements of our democracy, of our Constitution, that increase the rights and votes and voice of the people, there are many of them, you know, starting with the 15th Amendment, post-Civil War Amendment, uh, that prohibits uh, uh, the denial or abridgment of the right to vote uh, on account of race. And the uh, 17th Amendment, which uh, creates the direct election of senators. When the country started, there was no election, right. direct election of senators. And you look at the 19th Amendment, that the vote uh, for women is enshrined in our Constitution. And the 24th Amendment that prohibits poll taxes, and the 26th Amendment that gives the right to vote to 18 years old. So if you look over the long arc of history, although there have been authoritarians and fascists that have tried to take over the country um, at times, nonetheless, writ large, the country has moved haltingly and fleetingly sometimes, but has moved towards democracy. And democracy, all those constitutional amendments and more, that all focused on voting, because without voting, you cannot have a democracy. What, what concerns me, Larry Hott, I just, uh, I appreciate your optimism, but what's really frightening is that so many, the great compromise itself, which led to having a Senate, where regardless of the size of the population, each state was, each then colony, then state, was going to be represented by two senators. That great compromise was to avoid the tyranny of the majority, to guarantee the minority. What is really frightening to me about the state of our democracy now is the tyranny of the minority. That the majority of people feel a certain way about women's reproductive rights or about uh, gerrymandering or on a thousand different subjects, but that majority is silenced by this tyrannical minority that is willing to forgo democratic principles and appreciates a strong man like a Donald Trump 
in a way that I am frightened by. The history here is important. Uh, the ACLU, as you know, did not, but was only invented in the early 1920s, and what it was doing was enforcing those amendments that you just mentioned, the 13th, 14th, and 15th amendments, particularly the 14th, had to be, had to be enforced at, at the state level. And without that enforcement, and without the Supreme Court concurring with the lawyers who brought those cases, we would not have those amendments in effect. They, might be the, they would be on paper. And you know, during the communist era, the Russian Constitution guaranteed all its rights to its citizens, but they never were in, in effect. And of course, people like Trump could, could suspend this in an emergency, what the so-called emergency. So even if those things are on paper, they have to be protected. I think it's worth noting this exact topic being much in the news today, which is rights on paper or requirements of the rule of law on paper. The United States Supreme Court has just issued a set of ethical, well, statements that it says this is our response to the corruption that has been so prominently uh, displayed by the members of the court in recent months and years. It's just horrifying. And what does the Supreme Court do with this new uh, ethical rules? The Supreme Court, of course, not having had any ethical rules up to this point, despite what the Chief Justice says about that. It says no one can enforce them. Uh, we're going to have these rules, and who will enforce them? We'll enforce it. I mean, individually. We'll decide if we have a conflict. We'll decide if we're being corrupted. We'll decide if it's, there's an apparent conflict. Who will decide? The individual justice. And what review will there be? No review. And who will enforce this? Nobody. But, hey, trust us, because we just put words on paper that are, by and large, meaningless. I don't know the definition of corruption, but I know it when I see it, and it never has to do with me. I think every Supreme Court justice should get a large recreational vehicle. That would be more fair. <laughs> <laughs> and someone else should pay for it. Actually, loan you the money and then forgive the loan. Thank you, Justice Thomas, for that lesson in democracy. And make sure that you, that same person buys your mother a home <laughs> and uh, enriches you beyond uh, imaginings. Well, I can't tell you. Um, why don't I give you, Larry, Hot, the last word about the Movement Voter Project, one avenue that people can take? I think people should take a look at www.movement.vote and contribute money to these grassroots groups on the ground. Thank you, Larry. Uh, this has been an important conversation on Talk the Talk. Please, walk the walk. Thanks for joining us. This is Talk the Talk with Bill Newman and Buzz Eisenberg on WHMP. Imagine working hard for so many years and reaching your retirement only to find out there's an issue with your pension or 401k. Unfortunately, it's a problem too many Americans face. The New England Pension Assistance Project can help you get the benefits you've earned by providing free legal help. Contact the New England Pension Assistance Project at 888-425-6067 or visit them online at pensionhelp.org slash New England. A public service from the U.S. Administration on Aging's Pension Counseling and Information Program. Are you or someone you know addicted to drugs? Narcotics Anonymous can help. NA has been helping addicts since 1953. We are recovering addicts who meet regularly to help each other stay clean. We offer meetings and services online and in person. To find one of our meetings or to get information on what services are offered, visit www.westernmassna.org or call us at 1-866-NA-HELP-YOU. That's 1-866-624-3578. WHMP 